Many of us don't probably realize it, but the Feast of Christ the King is not in the church's life, even yet 100 years old. It was, it was um, Pope Pius XI in 1925 that instituted this feast. And he was responding to the sharp contrasts between Christ the King, who is sovereign Lord over all of the universe, and all of these attacks on, on Christianity that he was perceiving coming from the secular authorities. World War I had just happened, and people's lives were still disrupted by that. And the Marxist revolutions were sweeping the world at this point. And so the Pope declared that we should have this feast to emphasize that Jesus Christ is our King, and he exercises a rightful sovereignty over every human being on this planet as his creator. Christians should be encouraged, the Holy Father wrote, to order their lives so that they may be faithful and obedient to Christ the King. They may be loyal subjects to our King. He must, first of all, rule in our minds, which calls on us to believe firmly in the truth of the gospel. He must reign in our wills so that we will obey God's words and laws and his commandments in everything. He must reign in our hearts so that we must love God above all things and our neighbors as ourselves. And he must reign in our bodies sanctifying every aspect of our lives. So in everything about what it means to be a human person, we acknowledge the Lordship of Christ, our King. Now what is interesting about our readings today is that they emphasize a crucial aspect of the royal office of Jesus Christ, Christ the King. It has a judicial aspect as well. Jesus Christ, our King, will also be our judge when he comes again. He teaches this in John chapter 5. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And in the gospel today, we learn that the shepherd will, when he comes again, separate the sheep from the goats in accord with the way that they had received Christ into their lives. Remember those two solemn commandments that the Lord Jesus gave us, love the Lord your God with all your might, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two commandments. 
And what this feast teaches us is that when our Lord comes again as King, we will be judged on how we have lived out these two commandments in our lives. Jesus is using a metaphor here when he speaks about separating the sheep from the goats. I was thinking about this, how he separated the goats to his left and the sheep to his right. So, you know, maybe depending on whether I'm facing you or turning this way, think about which side of the church you're sitting on. <laughs> no. That's not what this is about. <laughs> but they do, the disciples certainly understood how the shepherds would at night separate the sheep from their goats and give those sheep shelter. There's an early Christian homily on this text that I loved. It observes how we might not be able to observe in this life the differences between the righteous and the wicked. But when Christ comes again, the king will gather all together and separate them according to their faith and their works. The sheep signify righteous people by reason of their gentleness, because they harm no one, and by reason of their patience, because when they are harmed by others, they bear it without resistance. Jesus refers, however, to the sinners as goats because these vices are characteristic of goats. Capriciousness toward other animals, pride, and belligerence. And if you're a child of a farm, you might have some experience watching sheep and goats interact with each other. And this early Christian homily is pretty much on target on that subject. The judgment that the Lord will exercise is everlasting. Now, this is the hardest part of the teaching. And remember, though, this is an essential part of what we believe about celebrating Christ as king. When he comes to be king, he will also exercise judgment. The eternal punishment of the reprobate and the eternal reward of the elect are a dogma of faith that has been solemnly proclaimed by the magisterium of the Church. Christ will come at the end of the world. He will judge the living and the dead and he will reward all, both the lost and the elect, according to their works. And all these will rise with their own bodies, which they now have, so that they may receive according to their works. Whether good or bad, the wicked, a perpetual punishment with the devil, and the good, eternal glory with Christ. Dear friends, this is an inescapable part of what it means to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and our King. And so may we all today think, how can we live 
our lives to be in accordance with the way he taught us so that when that day comes and the church teaches us it surely will come, we can have in our hearts the knowledge that we are his and he will gather us together and take us to the eternal pastures. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, praise God. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends, with your families. Uh, I got together with my family at my brother's place, and something happened that was to my advantage. My niece and I love my mother's fruit salad, and we would sometimes fight over who gets how much. Well, my niece went healthy, and so I got to have as much fruit salad as I wanted. I love people who go healthy. <laughs> yes, it always benefits me. <laughs> One thing I love about the Thanksgiving holiday is I get to see uh, more of your families. And I know we have many uh, visiting here this morning, families that are uh, family members that are in town uh, visiting for the holidays. So I want to just extend to all the visitors this morning just a very warm welcome and just how glad we are to see you here. And we hope that you'll come back another time, if not at least at Christmas time. So a couple of thoughts on our readings this morning. And I want to start with the first reading because God makes a promise. And it's good for us to know what this promise is because it touches the lives of almost everyone at some moment or other. God says, I myself will shepherd my sheep. And he's talking about all the sheep that are scattered, those that have strayed or wandered away, those that have left the fold and they're out in the valleys and the mountainside. And God says about all these sheep that are scattered, I myself will shepherd them. And what is God going to do? The lost I will seek out, the strayed I will bring back, the injured I will bind up, and the sick I will heal. We all know people, and sometimes they are within our own families and circles of friends those that have wandered away, those whose faith have become very weak, they have strayed for various reasons, and God knows who they are, and God loves every one of them because they are His. And God, as He reveals elsewhere in Scripture, 
He does not want any sheep to be lost. God is the one who knows the whole picture of a person's life. He knows why people leave the church. He knows why they're out there living in the world in the way they are. Let us believe that God can fulfill this promise for every single one of them because these are the people that weigh on us, don't they? They weigh on our hearts. We carry a special concern for them and for their salvation. And we want so badly for them to come back to the practice of their faith. Let us trust that God knows them, God loves them, and God knows how to bring them back wherever they might be, however lost they are, God can find them and God can heal them. There are ways to God that are known only to God Himself. He may still use us as a way to bring them back, but let us trust this promise of God for everyone that we love. Amen? Now the gospel. You get a twofer today. A twofer. This gospel is so important as we were listening to it again this morning. How sad it would be if we came to our final judgment ill-prepared. And as we were listening to this together this morning, weren't we all desiring to be on the right side of Jesus, to be among the lambs? There's not a single person in this congregation this morning that would want to be on the left among the goats especially because of where they end up for eternity. Every one of us wants to be on the right side of Christ at our judgment. We want to be among the sheep. I was at a funeral yesterday for Father Jeff Heward. God rest his dear soul. He lived this gospel in an exemplary way. But his death was a sobering reminder that we do not live for this world. We live for eternity, which means that it matters what we do now in this time. Because what I do not, what I do now, matters for eternity. And this is why, as Christians, we are constantly encouraged by the gospel to focus on what really 
matters. And I love Jesus. This is a beautiful act of mercy toward us because unlike some of my college professors, I wish they were as merciful as Jesus, that they would have told me in advance what was going to be on the final exam so I could pass a little easier. We know what's going to be on the final exam. We get to know it now so that we can live lives to prepare and not be caught by surprise. And what is on the final exam? I know that my whole life at the moment of judgment is going to be measured and assessed on love alone. On love alone. Which means that the most important work that you and I do every single day is the work of loving, of growing in love. And I'll tell you, it's work, isn't it? This is the kind of work that makes us tired at the end of the day. If we're really taking this serious, if I'm working at love, I'm going to be exhausted at the end of the day. And you have felt it yourselves. This is more important than how much money I have, how popular I might be, my status in this world, how, I, how much I achieve and accomplish, whether I'm athletic or not, how gifted intellect I have. The only thing that matters in the judgment is how have I loved. I remember this moment when I was 16 years old. I came home from school and I went to the fridge and we were out of milk. I had a part-time job at the time. I had money in my pocket and I waited until my mother got home from work. My mother, who was working herself to the bones to support my sister, my brother, and I, I waited until she got home to ask her for money to buy the milk, which at that time cost a dollar. And this was just a snapshot of my life at that time in how selfish I was, how self-centered, how it was pretty much all about me and my ego and appearances. I was afraid to reach out to the classmates in school that were friendless because I was worried about what others would think. At that moment, if I had died, I would not have been ready for this final exam.
I would have flunked. And I am so grateful for the moment when my house of sand, that life of selfishness, just collapsed. And Jesus found me in the rubble. And I realized that the first thing I needed to do was to clean up my way of loving. Love is the most beautiful reality of our human life. And yet, it is the very place where all of us feel the most challenged. Do we not? It's where we feel so weak, so inadequate. And so it's in this place of our capacity to love where you and I feel most deeply our need for God, our need for mercy, our need for forgiveness, our need to be encouraged, our need to be lifted up and to know that we can make new beginnings. There are days where I look back on the day and I have to say to God, God, okay, today I didn't do so well. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is always ready. Okay, you are forgiven. Let's get up and let's continue to work at love. Just a few little helpful encouragements. This gospel, as you know, was one of the favorites of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And she especially loved the end, the last line. Whatever you did to the least, you did it to me. Isn't it interesting? It's really helpful to know that I can commit sins, sins against charity, but I can also sin by failing to love. We call those sins of omission. I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you didn't even offer me a drink and so forth. I can be condemned for what I failed to do. But Mother Teresa would admit that it was a hard struggle for her to persevere in love, whether it was with the sisters that she lived with or with the poor that she served. And sometimes it's hard to love the poor. They can be so demanding. Sometimes they can be ungrateful. Sometimes their appearance and their life can be repulsive to our nature. But all day long, she would repeat this line in the gospel, you did it to me, you did it to me, you did it to me. We all want to love Jesus, do we not? And if I say throughout the day, you did it to me, that can help me to love the people in my life that are hard to love. If I know what I do to them, I'm doing it 
to Jesus himself. You did it to me. You did it to me. You did it to me. That's what mother would keep repeating all day long. Maybe we could do this, huh? (laughs) Maybe this would help us on those days where we're really struggling and our heart is being stretched and that me monster is raising its ugly head, right? The last encouragement, let us apply the remedy that Jesus himself gives us. What did he say about those in our life that are hard to love, that do not love us back and so forth? He said, pray for them. Pray for them. And why is it necessary to pray for the people that are hard to love? So that I don't harden my heart. Because if I don't pray, I'm going to harden my heart. But if I pray for someone, it's hard to keep my heart closed. I'm opening it. And this reminds us of the last thing. My friends, if we're going to do this, we have to renew our commitment not just to love, but to pray each day. It's not about trying harder. We need to lean on the strength of God. We need to drink from the well of love in the sacred heart of Jesus. If we're going to do this, we got to pray so that Jesus can give us what we need to persevere in love day in and day out. And now in the Eucharist, we receive Jesus Christ and he just pours his love into us in holy communion. So we can go out of here (laughs) and we could pour it out on each other. Isn't that great? So let's pray that we can be ready for that day. And we do that by working at love now. Amen.